This is Radio Orbit, exploring the secrets of everything on KOPN 89.5 FM, Columbia. Good morning to you, or good day to you if you're listening over the web from the archives. This is Mike Hagan, and you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM, Mid-Missouri source for in-depth news, diverse talk, music of the world, 
It's more than radio. It is community radio, listener-sponsored, listener-supported community radio, KLPN 89.5 FM. And, yeah, uh, this is uh, Radio Orbit, Monday night. For the first time, the inaugural broadcast, the inaugural edition of Radio Orbit on Monday nights. This program has been uh, on the air on KOPN uh, for the last eight, eight and a half or nine months or so on Saturday nights. Sunday mornings uh, from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. And uh, hopefully uh, some of my listeners from uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning are, are listening in now and uh, able to uh, join in as we make this change from the the weekend, uh, middle of the night to Monday evenings here, sort of uh, more toward the beginning of the night. And I'm actually really excited to do the show now on Mondays. Awesome uh, uh, lead-in to my show. Of course, Debbie doing uh, Free Range Radio Theater, which is an incredible program that I've enjoyed for quite a while here on KOPN tonight. She did a great piece with uh, uh, some old Orson, uh, Orson Welles stuff, uh, the Black Museum, really cool stuff. And hopefully we'll hear some more of that in the future from Debbie. But anyway... Hopefully, uh, some of the gang that's uh, into her program will stick around and listen to my show as well. I think it's pretty uh, uh, a pretty reasonable uh, match between the two of those, and hopefully we'll do some things here that uh, that you guys enjoy. And I will uh, let everyone know what this show is about. Um, it is uh, a little atypical, I guess, not, uh, not what you might expect, but um, we're going to do a lot of music as we get going here and uh, talk about lots of different things, but... Primarily, uh, this show is, well, it's about the unknown, the mysterious, the unusual, the fantastic, the remarkable, outrageous, the strange, I don't know, we deal in all kinds of different things, science and mysticism, nature, magic, the ancients, the occult, we explore things like the, the imagination, art, music, creative forces. Uh, in a nutshell, Radio Orbit is about dissolving boundaries. We uh, push the limits of communication and language, uh, trying to increase awareness and understanding of the world and this wild, wacky universe that we find ourselves in right now. And um, Radio Orbit is nothing else uh, other than a tool to help, uh, help us try to navigate this increasingly complex landscape that we call reality and we're also here to have a whole lot of fun and play some good music and uh... music is a big part of the show as well although talk and uh... uh some really interesting guests uh, you'll be hearing as this show goes along and i'll talk about some of the people who have been on the program before uh... in the last nine months if you're not familiar with it so you can get a little bit of a feel for uh... for who we uh... what sort of people we'll be talking to and who we'll be talking to so uh... We will do that, and um, in the meantime, uh, we're going to get things started out with a little bit of music here. Uh, that was Pink Floyd from Dark Side of the Moon, obviously, and uh, we'll probably play, I don't know, three, four songs an hour as you get to know this show, but uh, I know you guys are used to hearing a lot of music on Monday nights, so I'm going to start things off uh, sort of easy like that, and we'll continue things in a few minutes after uh, after we settle down a little bit, but in the meantime, this is a song to say Hello. This is Mike Hagen. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. I'll be back in just a few minutes.
First off, from uh, her CD, Hello, and then uh, following that up just a moment ago, there was World Party from Goodbye Jumbo that was called, Is It Too Late? 
and it's not too late. It's uh, about 17 minutes after 11 p.m. on Monday, the 21st of March, this Equinox Monday. Actually, the Equinox was uh, uh, late Saturday night, and I'm not sure if anybody was out at the uh, down at the balloon out at the C3 uh, show that went on there Saturday night, but a great performance and a great time for anybody who was lucky enough to be down there uh, down there so hopefully some of y'all made it down there to cc3 jeff wheeler and uh, some of the guys uh, a lot of them involved down here at the station but uh, excellent excellent program from a bunch of really cool musicians and uh, of course john sheffield internationally renowned john sheffield playing uh, opening up the set for uh, for the conspiracy convergence Collective or the Convergence Conspiracy Collective or the Collective Convergence Conspiracy. Anyway, you like it. A great program, and we look forward to the next one coming up on the solstice, uh, June 21st or thereabouts. And uh, we'll let you know when that's going to be and where it's going to be. I think it's going to be sort of an outdoors event, maybe a camp out sort of thing. But anyway, thanks a lot to the guys that performed. We had a great time. Okay, this is Mike Hagan, and you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. Uh, Radio Orbit, as I said, this is the first night uh, on Monday that we've been broadcasting on Mondays. We've been on the air for about nine months on Saturday nights, Sunday mornings, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m., and we're looking forward to doing this Monday night gig. So uh, let me do a couple things first here. Uh, thanks for the emails, uh, everybody that sent notes to me over the last couple days. I appreciate it, especially Bob out there in Jeff City. And uh, Deborah, as always, hope you guys are all doing well. Everybody else listening over the web, and uh, hello to y'all. And uh, also, whoever you are who transcribed the entire Scott Stevens interview, um, thanks a whole lot. Uh, send me an email and let me know who you are. But I show, uh, that, that showed up on the web about a week ago, and uh, it was really cool and a lot of work. So, uh, anyway, thanks for that. Um, for those of you new to the program, Scott Stevens is uh, a previous guest of mine. He's been on the program a couple of times. And we did a, a couple of interviews. And I archive all my programs on the, uh, on the Internet so people can listen to them after the fact. Uh, primarily, I had done that originally because my show was on so late in the middle of the night, and there were a lot of people that wanted to hear the program, but uh, weren't weren't just uh, couldn't handle the hours. We were just too uncivilized. So, uh, at any rate, uh, I decided, well, that's a good reason to start a website and uh, start to archive the program. So anyway, that turned out to be kind of cool, and I ended up getting a lot of listeners from uh, from lots of other places other than just uh, Columbia and the Mid Missouri area here. So. Uh, at any rate, uh, the archives are there, and the web is there at www.radioorbit, R-A-D-I-O-R-B-I-T, dot com. There's just one O in the middle there. Both radio and orbit sort of share that O. So R-A-D-I-O-R-B-I-T, dot com. You can go there and uh, click through, and you'll see what's happening tonight. And you'll also see if you... Uh, uh, scroll down to the bottom of that home page there you'll find a little link that says archives and if you go to the uh, past show archives you can see all the stuff that we've done before all right um, so that's the deal we'll do space weather here in a few minutes that's a, a regular 
feature that we have on the program. We like to talk about what's happening in the skies above our heads, what's happening on the sun, what's happening in the local galactic region, things that may influence the planet and uh, may have a significant impact on things that happen down here, although they might not be on the radar screen, so to speak, with most people all the time. There are things that are um, significant that are always happening in the heavens above our heads, and we like to look at those things once in a while and just uh, see if there's anything that needs to be talked about. So we'll do space weather in just a few minutes. And uh, let me do contact information here real fast. I mentioned the website. Uh, that is www.radioorbit.com with just one O in the middle. And if you want to send me an email, you can always do that at orbitradio, O-R-B-I-T-R-A-D-I-O, at AOL.com. That's orbitradio at AOL.com. Okay? All right. Um, if you're online and you're awake, go to the website and go to the archives page. And I'll talk a little bit real fast uh, about some of the previous guests that have been on this program and some of the people who are coming up so you can get an idea of what the show is about and maybe get a feel for whether you'd like to keep listening or not. Um, hopefully you'll give it a uh, the benefit of the doubt for a few minutes here and stick around with me. I really hope you do. Uh, if you're new to the program, for everybody listening from Saturday nights, thanks uh, for bearing with me here, even though this is sort of redundant uh, for you guys. I know you know how the... Uh, how the game is sort of uh, run on this program. But for the new people, for the people who haven't listened before, I'd like to um, I just sort of give them an idea of, an idea of what, uh, what we do here, okay? Um, also, we're going to open up the phone lines. The, ho the, the whole idea tonight is sort of uh, uh, just me and you out there. I want to try to find out what's going on on Monday nights, try to get a feel for the vibe, so to speak. And uh, I'll open up the phone lines in just a little while here, and anybody is welcome to call in with... Uh, any uh, anything whatsoever that you'd like to talk about, and um, uh, that really means anything. The sort of uh, if there's one rule here on Radio Orbit, it's that uh, we sort of sort of let everything fly here and uh, don't make any judgments. Try not to come in with preconceptions and uh, preconceived ideas of the way things are and the way things are supposed to be. We sort of know the way. They are with ourselves, but uh, we're certainly willing to listen and talk about all kinds of different uh, different perspectives and all kinds of different ideas on this program. That's what it's about. So, uh, so the number for that, if you want to give me a buzz a little bit later, and I'll let you know when to do that, is area code five seven three four four three eight two five five. That's five seven three four four three eight two five five. Also, there are a couple other numbers uh, that I'm going to give out right now. Uh, that might be of use either on my program or anybody else's on KOPN if you listen to the station a lot. Um, those numbers are area code 573-874-5676. That's 874-5676. And if you're outside of the 573 area code, that's 1-800-895-5676. 1-800-895-KOPN. All right, uh, those numbers will just get you into the studio. They won't get you on the air. Um, the first number that I gave you, that 443-8255 number, that one will get you on the air. So if you want to chat on the air, that's the one to call. If you want to just talk to me off the air and uh, call uh, in between uh, the chat sessions here when we got some music playing, you're welcome to do that. I'm probably going to give away a few things later on and uh, try to bribe your listenership and support with some of my uh, my interesting little 
uh, giveaways here. So anyway, we'll do that a little bit later. In the meantime, uh, let's talk a little bit about we, what we do on this program. Um, the first guest who was ever on this show and who actually, I actually might get on the phone tonight uh, for just a few minutes just because um, he was a big inspiration to me and sort of a guru of mine. His name is Kent Stedman. And uh, Kent is the webmaster and the, uh, the incredible intelligence behind the website cyberspaceorbit.com. That's www.cyberspaceorbit.com. Again, if you're on your computers, uh, you can link over there right from my site, uh, or uh, just uh, uh, just type that in your uh, in your address uh, field there. www.cyberspaceorbit.com. That's C-Y-B-E-R-S-P-A-C-O-R-B-I-T.com. That's Kent's website. It is uh, quite a psychedelic experience uh, if you've never been there before, especially if you're used to sort of the mainstream idea of what the Internet is, Kent's site is, um, has been pushing the envelope ever since the, the web uh, really got going in the early days. He and I have been friends uh, since the, um, the mid-late 1990s, around 96 or so, 96, early 97, when Kent and I became friends. Uh, but uh, he's quite a guy and um, has an amazing background and the last seven years or eight years that I've spent uh, in his uh, tutelage has been um, one of the most fascinating and fortunate things that's ever happened to me in my life so far. And uh, so Kent will um, be an influence in the content and the tenor of the program. And uh, when I talk, a lot of the things that I say... Uh, are things that I sort of learned from him. So he's a real cool guy and um, somebody who I have a tremendous amount, uh, amount of respect for. And hopefully uh, he'll be with us in, I don't know, maybe an hour, hour and a half. I'll call him in a little while and see if he, he wants to chat for a while. But nothing uh, nothing sort of planned. But anyway, Kent Stedman, uh, quite a guy and a great friend of mine and uh, somebody who you should become familiar with. So check him out at www.cyberspaceorbit.com. And uh, I'll, Kent, uh, I won't go into too much detail. He can tell you more about himself when I get him on the air here. Uh, along with Kent, we've had lots of different people on the program over the last uh, uh, eight months or so, and I'm just sort of looking at a quick list here. I should probably go over to my own website and uh, practice what I preach and uh, go look at all of my old, uh, uh, my old programs, which I will do here in just a moment. But one that comes uh, to mind right off the bat that I know I talked to early on was a guy's name was G. Edward Griffin. And uh, Ed Griffin is another friend of mine, uh, somebody who's written a number of incredible books. Uh, uh, probably the most famous one is called The Creature from Jekyll Island. And The Creature from Jekyll Island is um, uh, considered by most uh, who are interested in this sort of thing the preeminent uh, work and uh, dissertation on the Federal Reserve System. And uh, it's not what you think it is, uh, most likely. And uh, if you're interested in that, you should go uh, to my archives and go listen to the uh, interview that I did with G. Ed Griffin um, about, oh, I don't know when it was, uh, back in September of last year, I think it was. Um, but anyway, we talked about the United Nations and uh, uh, sort of some conspiracy ideas, the New World Order and 
this sort of thing. He, uh, Ed Griffin talks a lot about the Trilateral Commission and the Council on Foreign Relations and the Bilderberger Club and all this sort of thing. But um, at any rate, an interesting guy, and uh, he is out there on the archives, just as I mentioned. Now, you can hear me tapping away on my keyboard here. And, of course, that didn't work too well. So we've got to switch over the keyboard to the to the uh, the correct characters. Somebody comes here, and they they switch. We have a Macintosh computer here, and we also have a Windows-based uh, uh, computer here. And you can swap between the two of them if you double-click on one of the keys on the keyboard. And every once in a while, when you go to the Mac, um, somebody gets in here, and they change the uh, uh, the characters so that um, it doesn't type English letters. It types all these funky, stupid characters. Uh, and um, that's what it's doing right now. And I have no idea how to switch it around to make it go back to the regular characters uh, of English. So at any rate, thanks a whole lot uh, to whoever does that. I'd appreciate it if uh, you swap it back next time uh, after, you, um, after you do that. It'd be nicer for, for those of us who don't speak uh, chit, uh, what do they call it? What are those things called? Wigwams or whatever the hell that font is that's all these different funky uh, uh, characters. So, at any rate, uh, lots of different people have been on the program over the last year. G. Ever Griffin, Phyllis Galdi, the uh, editor and owner of uh, Fate Magazine, Scott Stevens, uh, a guy I mentioned earlier, somebody just transcribed uh, our entire uh, first program. And. Uh, Scott uh, is a meteorologist, a TV weatherman out in uh, the Pacific Northwest, and uh, he is interested in weather manipulation and weather modification, and he's a guy that knows a whole lot about this sort of thing, so don't slough it off, uh, and he's a professional uh, who's in the business and uh, has a reputation to protect, and uh, those are pretty interesting interviews from Scott Stevens. If anybody's ever heard of the... Uh, the phenomenon of what we call chemtrails. Uh, Scott has a pretty interesting take on that, and those are a phenomenon that you can see in the skies above your head right here in Columbia, Missouri. In fact, yesterday they were painting the sky pretty nicely up there, I must say. Uh, who else? Nick Cook was on the program just about a <clears throat> month and a half ago. Nick is the... Uh, the former aviation editor for Jane's Defense Weekly. Jane's Defense Weekly is considered the preeminent aerospace technology journal on the planet, uh, not just in the United States. In fact, it's run out of the U.K. The headquarters is in London, and uh, I spoke with Nick live uh, from London uh, back in January. That interview, again, is up on the web, and we talked about aerospace technology, including some sort of extravagant and... Uh, uh, very forward-thinking ideas, things like anti-gravity technology and some real exotic things uh, that Nick was able to talk to us about. Uh, he has a wonderful book uh, that's called The Hunt for Zero Point. And uh, again, not a bunch of hocus-pocus. Uh, this guy is the former aviation editor of the premier aviation and aerospace technical journal on the planet. So Nick's been on the program. He's a friend of mine. Uh, the week before Nick was on the program, we had Dr. Paul Laviolette. Dr. Paul Laviolette is a Ph.D. astrophysicist who has 
uh, written all kinds of incredible books, including Beyond the Big Bang, uh, Subquantum Kinetics, uh, E.T., Talk of the Galaxy, um, a number of uh, incredible books. And he is, uh, talk about a forward thinker and a creative thinker. Dr. Paul LaViolette uh, is about uh, one of the most amazing guys that I've ever had the pleasure of uh, uh talking with and being friends with and being associated with and again all these uh, programs are up on the web at www.radioorbit.com um, lots of other people like that Dennis McKenna uh, Terrence McKenna posthumously I like to talk about the psychedelic experience on this program sometimes uh, it's a topic that comes up uh, with that in mind next week next Monday we'll be airing an interview with Dr. Rick Strassman uh, he's the author of a book called DMT, The Spirit Molecule. And uh, if you're not familiar with what DMT is, I'll give you a quick little definition here. DMT is short for dimethyltryptamine. Dimethyltryptamine is a relatively simple compound that exists endogenously in the human brain and in the brain of many different animals on this planet. It also exists in the bodies of many plants on this planet. Uh... DMT is found and was discovered uh, by Western civilization primarily in uh, expeditions and experiences in South America and in the Amazonian jungle regions of South America where certain indigenous tribes and native peoples ingest concoctions that they brew and... Uh, they mix certain plants and roots and this sort of thing, but uh, in one of these, uh, uh, well, in some of these different compounds, DMT is released and becomes orally active, and it brings on uh, a quite tremendous psychedelic experience. And uh, it is, um, for those interested in this topic, uh, DMT is about the, uh, the pinnacle of the psychedelic experience, and it's one that uh, uh, has great implication in not only the current uh, state of culture and understanding and imagination and language and communication, but it also has evolutionary implications. And uh, we've talked about a lot of this stuff on the program before, and uh, um, Dennis and I have talked quite a bit about that, Dennis McKenna and I, and of course posthumously his brother Terrence McKenna who uh, is another one of these guys who was a huge influence on me. Uh, Terrence passed away back in the year 2000, and, um, uh, but he lives on, and he lives in at least a small way uh, through me and this program. So you'll hear once in a while uh, some old talks from Terrence McKenna on this program as well. Uh, Jonathan Miller Weisberger, another incredible ethnobotanist down in Costa Rica who we spoke to not too long ago, Dr. Michael Heisen. Uh, an amazing marine biologist doing incredible work with dolphins and whales in Hawaii at the Sirius Institute, uh, communication and language studies with dolphins and whales. And if anybody listened to that program in November, uh, you know that Dr. Heisen is very close to objective communication with dolphins. And by objective communication, I mean, hey, how's it going? Hey, not bad, pretty good. What are you guys doing today? I don't know, let's get together and compose some music and then we'll go out for a swim. This is what we're talking about, okay? And uh, uh, Dr. Heisen and I, of course, are friends and from the same hometown of Rockford, Illinois, in a very bizarre piece of synchronicity. 
Uh, but uh, Dr. Heisen and Paradise Newland, his associate, will be on the program again real soon in the next uh, next couple months. Uh, so got all these different people. Lucy Pringle, another uh, wonderful woman who we did a live show with uh, from England, uh, talking about crop formations, crop circles. And again, a scientist, somebody who looks at this with a scientific angle, from the, with a scientific view. And, uh, oh, I don't know. I guess uh, go to the archives and you can see everybody else. All right? Um, if you missed uh, the program Saturday night, talk about synchronicity. Uh, Cheryl Clapton, who is a friend of mine and a local singer-songwriter, an incredible woman, uh, was on the program uh, just uh, two nights ago, Saturday night, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. Cheryl was on the program, and she played a bunch of live music for us, and we talked about life and love and art and children and music and magic. And uh, in a real strange uh, case, it turns out that my program ends up moving into Cheryl's spot. Cheryl has a pan gig now. Congratulations to her, and she's... Um, playing music on, uh, I think it's 97.7, and she does a uh, overnight um, uh, country program and also uh, a uh, classic rock program that she, she does them both at the same time. One's on FM and the other one's on AM, but uh, I think Cheryl's actually going to be on the air here in about 20 minutes. We're actually going to be competing for your for your ears, so... Uh, but that's a friendly competition. Cheryl's wonderful, and she's a great radio personality, and she has a great uh, great ear for music as well. So anyway, if you get tired of hearing my voice, turn it over and uh, go listen to Cheryl, okay, because she's also a great supporter of KOPN and somebody who's on the board of directors here and uh, somebody who's still very involved and influential, uh, influential here at the station. Okay. Um, we were going to do space weather, but uh, I've been chatting your ear off for 20 minutes or so. And you'll find that I tend to do that. And there have been a few people that have been calling uh, on the uh, 8745676 number. Uh, so if you're trying to get through, give me a call. I'm going to play a couple songs here. We'll have five, uh, six, seven minutes or so, something like that, to um, uh, to take care of whatever you guys want to talk about. And in the meantime, this is uh, this is Belly, and it's called. Full Moon Empty Heart. Back in a few minutes, this is Mike Hagen. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN.
Soundgarden from Super Unknown. That was Black Hole Sun. And uh, before that, Belly from Star, Full Moon, Empty Heart. This is Mike Hagen. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. And uh, welcome to the program. And nice to be with you on a Monday night. I'll be with you for another couple hours until 2 a.m., where Curtis will swing in. Play some rhythm and blues for you. And again, thanks to Debbie for a great uh, free-range radio program before uh, before my show. All right, uh, as I mentioned before the break, uh, usually we do a thing called space weather, and we're going to do a quick version of that tonight. And uh, here it goes. You know, uh, it is, I think, Thursday or Friday, the 24th, 25th of March will be the full moon. And uh, according to folklore, according to legend and history, uh, this month's full moon is what they call the worm moon. The worm moon. And it sort of heralds rising temperatures and the thawing ground and the uh, the getting busy of the earthworms and the birds. And uh, all of this stuff sort of melds together as we know all of these systems are not independent of one another. They are all... Uh, deeply connected and uh, just like we are with all of them but uh, at any rate springtime is sort of heralded by what we call the worm moon and uh, that's uh, just coming up this Thursday and Friday and uh, check it out it should be real nice the moon's going to be real big in the sky actually Thursday and Friday and hopefully it'll be clear it's sort of a sort of a gloomy uh, rainy equinox evening here I was hoping it was going to be clear so I could go out and look at the stars tonight. It's a nice day of the year to do that. And uh, at any rate, uh, lots of interesting stuff going on in the sky, although not much activity going on in the sun right now. You know, we talk about the sun quite a bit on this program. And again, for those uh, unfamiliar with this show, you might be saying, well, what the hell do they talk about the sun for? Well, the reason is because the sun is 99 point nine nine percent of the mass and energy of this solar system that you live in and whatever happens on the sun profoundly affects every other part of this system whether it's perceived or whether it is not perceived and uh, I just happen to perceive it so that's why we talk about it and uh, the sun is uh, about the most important thing uh, to life on this planet. Without the sun, obviously, things get ugly really quickly. So, uh, right now, the old soul is uh, cooperating rather nicely and uh, hasn't been a whole lot of activity actually in the last uh, couple, three weeks. Although, some strange things, we do see some strange things all the time uh, uh, on, the, uh, uh, on the imagery that comes back to us from the Soho spacecraft. And again, for those unfamiliar, uh, we watch the sun in real time effectively, uh, although there's an argument uh, that many of the images that we see uh, are scrubbed before we get to see them, and some are taken down completely, and we have quite a bit of evidence of that in the past. Uh, but I'm not here to talk about the boneheads at NASA. Uh, I like to um, look through the eyes of their spacecraft uh, regardless. And the SOHO-LASCO mission has been uh, one of the most successful uh, NASA missions, in my opinion. And uh, SOHO is a spacecraft that orbits about a million miles um, uh, outside of 
the uh, orbit of Earth and uh, gets a really interesting vantage point of the sun from there. And we get to see lots of uh, uh, interesting phenomenon. And that thing just uh, continuously sends images back and uh, they post them up on the web. And then we look at the images and there are a lot of people out there on the web, believe it or not, that are interested in this stuff. And there are uh, people that look at every single one of these frames that come back. And uh, there are lots of interesting frames that uh, get pulled out. And we like to look at those and sort of speculate and theorize and hypothesize on what those things might be. And we've actually seen some pretty interesting things up there in the last couple of weeks, although uh, we haven't had any really significant activity on the sun as far as solar flares or uh, coronal mass ejections and coronal holes and real uh, high-rated solar wind or anything like that. It's been pretty mellow. So not a whole lot to talk about uh, on the sun right now, although it is sort of uh, becoming aurora season now. If you live in the northern hemispheres, um, the springtime means that uh, it... Um, the mag field of the Earth, you know, the, inter the, the magnetic field of the Earth, it starts to tilt a little bit in the springtime. It tilts a little bit further south than it, than it typically does. And uh, that leans the, the northern hemisphere uh, in a little bit of a different angle as well. And it interacts with the, with the solar wind differently. And it tends to spark auroras that wouldn't normally be sparked. So even on evenings of low solar activity, you can get pretty cool aurora up in the northern, uh, northern hemisphere or in the uh, northern latitudes right now. So if you're up there and you're listening on the web, uh, check it out. It'll be a nice, uh, it'll be a nice view if you go. Look to the north um, in the early morning hours is usually the best time to go look at the aurora. And although we're down here in sort of the mid-latitudes in mid-Missouri, uh, there's not a whole lot of aurora borealis that we get to witness here. But once in a while when, uh, when the sun really gets, uh, gets excited and uh, conditions are right, we actually can get some aurora down here. So uh, cross your fingers and, or maybe not. Uh, if that's happening, uh, that means things are getting pretty interesting on the sun if we've got aurora all the way down here. So uh, be careful what you wish for. But at any rate, uh, uh, if you've never seen the aurora borealis, the wonderful northern lights, take a trip somewhere north sometime and uh, uh, do it in the spring, and um, you'll be in for a tremendously cool experience. Okay? Uh, there is one other thing that we normally talk about, potentially hazardous asteroids, near-Earth objects, near-Earth asteroids, uh, earth crossers, as we call them, these are rocks, stones, comets, chunks of who knows what that are floating around out there in uh, intergalactic space and sometimes interlope right here into our neck of the woods and sometimes they actually get close to our planet and uh, in the past and uh, certainly in the present in at least at very low levels, uh, it still occurs and we actually have impacts. And uh, in the past, there have been some real significant impacts on this planet. The, the, the Earth's crust shows many wounds from past impacts and past run-ins with uh, cosmic interlopers that have smashed into the surface or smashed into the oceans of the planet and um, changed the course of history in a moment. And can happen at any moment. There's no kidding yourself about that. 
these ones that I talk about are ones that have been cataloged and they're ones that have been uh, uh, their orbitals have been worked out and we know where they are we know when they're going to fly by and uh, where to look for them that sort of thing there's one in particular here coming by on April 5th that's going to be about six lunar distances away from the planet a lunar distance is, is uh, the distance from the moon to the earth and that's about 250,000 miles, about a quarter of a million miles. So six lunar distances is about 1.5 million miles. And uh, again, that's not very far in uh, sort of astronomical terms and in astronomical uh, measurement, uh, scales of measurement, a million and a half miles is uh, a very, very small distance, actually. Uh, but it's still a reasonable distance, uh, relatively speaking, from our planet, and it doesn't pose any danger to us. Uh, there's another one that's going to pass by a day after that. It's going to be about the same, about five and a half or six uh, lunar distances away. And these things have designations like 2005EE169 uh, and these sort of uh, um, antiseptic uh, numerical designations, but uh, that's what they call them at any rate. Um, but the only reason I ever talk about near-Earth asteroids and near-Earth objects is just to keep the awareness up uh, to people that it's a possibility that's happened in the past. Uh, as I say, the ones that we know about aren't the ones to be concerned with for the most part. It's the ones that you don't know about, which are the ones uh, that can usually cause, uh, uh, cause you trouble. And you can ask the... Uh, Ask the dinosaurs about that. You can ask the trilobites about that. You can ask maybe the mastodons about that. Who knows? There was even possibility of uh, of an impact in uh, uh, the Dark Ages, which led to the Dark Ages. An interesting uh, uh, sort of play on words, if you think about it like that. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, the Dark Ages were possibly brought on by an impact which changed the climate and uh, threw a lot of dust and debris into the atmosphere for a long time and literally darkened certain areas of the planet and the atmosphere. And uh, uh, were uh, it was possibly um, uh, a, con uh, a contribution to, uh, to that sort of descent. And, you know, there are people that would argue that we're in sort of a dark age right now. I did an interview with uh, a Ph.D., physicist whose name is Dr. Carlos Castro. I talked to him just um, uh, last Thursday. And um, he's involved with a project called Archive Freedom, archivefreedom.org. And my, my friend Dr. Paul Laviolette is also involved in that organization. But uh, it's a whole group of scientists who are uh, very concerned with uh, suppression and censorship in science and in the, uh, uh, the upper echelons of science, the so-called priesthood is what I call it because it's no different than uh, uh, in many cases than uh, than the Vatican there are many taboos in science uh, that people uh, don't uh, don't think about or talk about very often but there are many men and women who are doing incredible work uh, or uh, or some sort of work that, you know incredible uh, is a word that I probably shouldn't use actually if you look at the definition of the word incredible it means not credible uh, but the work is credible. Maybe I'd say it's remarkable. Uh, at any rate, uh, great work being done by a whole bunch of different men and women um, that is being held back and not being shared with peers and uh, 
with the general public. And we can talk a whole lot about that uh, at another time, but I have great interest in that because uh, uh, technology is one of these things that um, is, well, if not the major factor in the future history of this planet, uh, I'm not sure what is. So anyway, we'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, that was space weather, and it was sort of a friendly short version of it. And we'll come back and do a few other things here. I'll probably open up the phone lines when I come back and I'll play a couple songs. Here it's the top of the hour. You listen to Radio Orbit on KOPN, 89.5 FM, Mid-Missouri source for in-depth news, diverse talk music of the world. It's more than radio. It's listener-supported community radio, and it's your imagination station. It's KOPN, 89.5 FM. My name is Mike Hagan. I'll be with you for another couple hours here. You're listening to Radio Orbit. Stick around. In the meantime, this is Midnight Radio, Big Head Todd and the Monsters, back in a few. Hey, by the way, give me a call, 573... Uh, 874-5676 in the studio. 874-5676. Or call me at uh, 443-8255.
hard and so am I you better give me something so I don't die
was the Eels from Beautiful Freak. It was called Novocaine for the Soul. Before that, we heard Big Head Todd and the Monsters, Midnight Radio. And you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. All right, it's about 10 after midnight, and, uh, oh, I don't know. Let's see what's going on here. I wanted to mention one other thing that, um, um, you know, somebody's calling in here, and I should probably pick it up, so let's just do that first, and then... Good morning, I guess it is. Uh, you're in orbit. Who's this? Hey, Mike. Bob Bolton, Jeff City. Hey, Bob. How's it going? Good. Congratulations on your new spot. Hey, thanks a lot. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you're able to listen. Yeah, I, actually, I've got to get to sleep pretty soon because I've got a busy day tomorrow, but I wanted to be the first to call in and uh, welcome you to the new spot and uh, keep up the good work. Uh, as I mentioned in my email, I think this is going to be a, a better position for you. There are more people going to hear you and I think it's a good place to start building on so uh. yeah I appreciate it I hope uh, I hope you're right I think certainly that there will be um, uh, more people listening uh, at this hour I think on a Monday night than we had on Saturday night for sure I get sure. Uh, it's interesting for me because like I said you know I put my stuff up on the web um, about six well actually I only put it up about three or four months ago but I've been collecting all my old programs uh, and I put everything up there sort of just because I know a lot of people, it, it sort of was just personal, like friends and family, that sort of sure. thing, right? And they were like, yeah, I'd like to hear it. So, uh, But, of course, they couldn't. So I decided, well, what the hell? And I, and I made sort of a simple uh, website with, with uh, my friend Kent's help. And then uh, actually it was pretty interesting. All of a sudden I started getting emails from people, you know, from what I would have never expected, you know, from places uh you know, certainly not uh, in the middle of Missouri, places all over, and uh, it's been pretty interesting. So, you know, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you called because I, I was just going to mention uh, one of the things that you had mentioned in the email, talk about this, uh, uh, you know, the technology and the web, and I, and I get so bummed uh, when, I, when I get, I know, you know, you're not the first one that's mentioned the quality of the, of the audio and the music section. Sure. And it's such a bummer because the music for me is is a big part of the show. I, you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah, uh, it is. And it, does, um, it doesn't affect the voice quality that much because you know voice the voice range is considerably uh, narrower than the music range. But you do play some dynamite music, and it's it's terrible because I'm listening a lot of times. On, I I will record the program. The music comes on, and I got to fast forward through it because it sounds so bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you I have something about the station was going to be uh, streaming uh, in a, in a couple months or so. Well, we're sure hoping for it. Uh, there, there, there's a grant. Uh, there's a grant that uh, a particular uh, agency of the government is. Uh, has put up, and I'm not sure the details of it, but sure. but 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 I think that I think that we're we're eligible for the grant, and if we get that, uh, it goes a long way uh, to getting us uh, up and uh, and global. You know what I mean? That so would be good, yeah, yeah, it's going to be cool, and I and I, and I know I know that there's a whole lot of, of interest in it uh, at the uh, station manager level and on the board of directors and all that sort of stuff. David Owens, uh, who's running the station now, is a tremendous guy, and he uh, he I think he recognizes the value of uh, of the technology, uh, at least uh, that that side of it, you know. Okay, would it would it serve any value to to uh, call him or, or email him or something like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, or you can just email me and I can forward all that stuff to him. I do that frequently. You know what I mean? Um, but sure. If, but um, uh, and in fact, maybe that's the best way to do it, you guys. Anybody out there, if you want, if you want to, you know, if you want to say anything supportive 
about the station or give your advice or uh, uh, give ideas, whether it's from whether it's from my program or whether it's for the station in general. Uh, I guarantee you, I will read it, and if it's relevant to my show, I'll respond to you, and uh, and if it needs to be passed on, I'll do that as well. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What? Um, so anyway, but the other thing, even if that doesn't happen, I've got a buddy of mine who's out in New Jersey, who's one of these web geniuses, right? Right. And and he's uh, he's way into this video and audio uh, uh, stuff, and and he is just about to get me all set up apparently with 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 a much more advanced uh, uh, setup than we have right now, mm. including I guess uh, something that's called podcasting. Um, which you may or may not be familiar with, but I've spoken about it once or twice sort of briefly on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, that's sort of real cutting edge as far as broadcasting goes, but also uh, uh, he's going to be able to um, uh, to compress my shows in, 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 in a different sort of format, I guess, where we're not going to lose near the quality that we're losing now. So, so yeah, so I think it's going to get a lot better, hopefully pretty quickly. Um, but I'm sort of a novice when it comes to the actual... Uh, uh, coding and writing code and that sort of stuff and I'm just sort of learning and um, and it's also sort of expensive because you have to get these big giant uh, uh, spaces on these servers because the files are just huge you know yeah, yeah. Un uncompressed audio and video always just eats up mega <laughs> mega megabytes you know right now now what I know you're you're pretty familiar with technology yourself what do you do Bob uh, I'm a freelance video Film and, or film and video producer. Oh, cool. And I'm also politically active in, in the area, too. So right. one of my big issues has been the uh, the idea of creationism versus evolution debate. Yeah, we chatted about that a couple yeah, weeks actually, ago. Actually, what I called in about was a little bit concerning the email, which is, uh, well, there are a couple issues, but just briefly, uh, I was interested in, in having you talk a little bit about the uh, sort of what you think of the next sort of stage of human evolution. Uh, it's probably not going to be a biological evolution in the traditional sense of, you know, developing, you know, larger brains or new appendages, but maybe some kind of a merger with technology. And I'd like to kind of see what what your take is on that and, you know, what your feelings are about that. Okay. Well, you know, uh, I think certainly some sort of a, some sort of a, uh, a melding between uh, machine and man is certainly possible. It seems like that's happening already. Uh, in, in, fa in fact, I've got uh, I got a really interesting story that I was going to read a little bit later, and I'll just read uh, just right now, just to you. I'll just read the um, just the title of it because it's going to crack you up. Uh, where is it? Uh, got all my stuff here. You know, you can hear me <laughs> fumbling through it. Listen to this: new technology. This is from the Taipei Times. Okay. Uh, in Taiwan, uh, new technology uses human body for broadband networking. By sending data over the surface of the skin, it may soon be possible to trade music files by dancing cheek to cheek or to swap phone numbers by kissing. <laughs> now, 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 now that's that's sort of a yeah. you know sort of a, a real superficial uh, look at the technology. Just that 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 sound bite I gave you, but the the article is a pretty in depth article that was originally done uh, from the Guardian uh, in London, and it's an it's an outrageous article when you actually think about the implications of what they're saying. I'll read I'll read the whole thing a little bit later, but uh, sure. Um, so so yeah, so that so this this idea of. Uh, Man and machine, you know, it's been talked about for many years now, you know, in, in science fiction and, um, 
and uh, guys like Greg Egan, you know, still writing uh, incredible stuff that 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 looks like almost what was written about, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago is sort of now manifesting, you know. Sure. But here's what I think. Uh, I think that um, outside of some other in, uh, intervention, I don't. Uh, I don't discount the fact that there could be uh, a full-on uh, physical evolutionary change that could happen. You know, something could happen with the sun, and uh, uh, it could it could rewrite our hard drives. You know, in a matter of a moment. Uh, I think that the, that's you know one thing that. Uh, uh, that deserves some discussion is you know you our biological hard drives or our, our electronic hard drives. I think oh. maybe, I think maybe both. Uh, yeah. Or cer certainly, uh, I think that there's a time in the past. Uh, I think there's 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 maybe a uh, a precedent for something like that. Uh, um, certainly, we know that the sun, uh, when it gets active, can really mess with magnetic fields. Sure. Um, we know that the human brain is primarily an electromagnetic device of sorts and um i think that it's a, that it's a reasonable uh it's a reasonable uh, uh hypothesis to say that 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 that, that in, in a certain situation that a solar phenomenon or a cosmic phenomenon whether it's solar in nature or not whether it's extra solar maybe it comes from you know something like dr laviolette talks about maybe it's something that's a that's a, a galactic core explosion or something right Sends a gravity wave through and, and and just does something that messes with our uh, with our wiring. Um, you know, this is uh, I think about uh, the story of the Tower of Babel. Sure. And you know the the. Uh, Do you think there's evidence that that may have occurred in the past at certain stages? Yeah. In fact, I think the Tower of Babel might be an indication of that. Uh, if you've ever read. Um, any uh, of the work of Emanuel Velikovsky. Yeah, Worlds in Collision. Yeah, Worlds in Collision yeah. and uh, 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 Ages in Chaos he wrote and uh, People of the Sea, a number of real, and he had some really obscure stuff. There was one that was called Mankind in Amnesia. Mm. And I found that really fascinating because what, uh, what he proposed um, in a number of his books was that there was a time uh, when there was a language that was universal on the planet that everybody was able to communicate with one another now whether that was a telepathic language sure. or whether it was a spoken language I think you could argue it one way or the other but I think there's evidence in the historical uh, literature of many different cultures to suggest that there was a time uh, when uh, there was sort of a global uh, way where everybody understood how to communicate with one another are you familiar with the work of Julian James no, I'm not. Uh, it's it's something I ran into well, about 20 years ago for the first time. It, I forget the exact title of the book, but it's something to do with the um, the development of the bicameral mind, huh. the origin of consciousness, and the development of the bicameral mind. And he traces through historic, archaeological, uh, historical, and psychiatric data the fact that in in the very early stages, sort of the pre-civilized. Uh, consciousness or pre-civilized culture mm -hmm. that we in a sense communicated directly through God via the uh, the crossing pathways between the left and the right brain mm. and when we became civilized we became uh, it was necessary to divide off this in other words develop a kind of a uh, 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 I don't know a, a deception you know in order to 
trade and commerce and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we divided the two brains so that we could, could function, you know, left and right brain, and that we no longer had this uh, communication. He actually talked about brainstorms going between the two, the two lobes that developed uh, religious inspiration, ecstasy, and that, you know, everyone had this, and they had, like, mm. instant communication in the whole culture. Mm. I mean, it's interesting because this, this thesis seems to bear out this idea. Uh, it's, yeah. Well, check him out. I, I think there's still some references to him. But, you know, it's, a, it's an idea. It's a book that kind of went nowhere and was such a devastating... Uh, I never heard, I've never heard any refutations of it, and uh-huh. yet uh, uh-huh. it's, it's amazing. You know, right. If yeah. I find out anything interesting about, about you know, sites or whatever relating to it, I'll, I'll pass them on to you. But yeah, I, I, I wrote down... you should check out. Yeah, I wrote down his name here, so... J-A-N-E-S. All right, Julius Jaynes. Well, I, I, you know, it's hard... It, it's hard to say. That's the one thing is that, you know, evolutionary biologists are, are they're, they're a strange breed to begin with, but they have such a difficult uh, subject matter, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, uh, well, let me, finish the, let, let, let me finish the thought real fast on, on, sure. on, on the previous question. What I would say is that uh, when we were talking about maybe there was a, an historical precedent, precedent um, I think that maybe that the, the confusion of the languages that was told about in the Tower of Babel story was maybe uh, one of these events where something happened uh, that affected the, uh, the brain chemistry or the neurology of the people um, and they no longer could communicate with one another. And, and uh, this was the confusion of the language. And I think that's a possibility at least. Uh, um, you know, the origins of consciousness and all this stuff, gosh, who knows? It's so strange because the most amazing thing to me is language. You know, I'm so interested in language because, uh, you know, we have Homo sapiens sapiens uh, skeletons mm. that, that, that have been pulled out of uh, Classis River Cave in, in Africa that are 130,000 years old. Sure. Right? I mean, this is guys that they like the guy that's riding next to you and me on the bus. He could be sitting next to you at the theater. They, they, he was absolutely your and my equal intellectually and physically. And in fact, probably more than our equal. Yet, for a hundred thousand years, nobody spoke. You know, do you, you think that you, you think that's a fact, or do you think that that's well? I mean, I, I I mean, even even the even the most conservative, you know, of the evolutionary biologists tell you that language didn't show up until fifty thousand years ago, yeah. ma- you know, minimum. Most of them say twenty-five to thirty. You know, so you have, an, you have an interesting thesis that you've mentioned several times on on your past programs, which is that in some ways modern man represents almost the de-evolution. From a, well, I don't you might say a state of grace or a period when there was a, a great deal of knowledge. The mm-hmm, fact that we have mm-hmm. advanced in terms of years, uh, you know, there may have been previous civilizations that were the highly advanced uh, spiritually, technically, artistically, and that we just uh, we don't acknowledge that at all. And I, I'm wondering, in some ways, uh, so-called primitive peoples have a, a strange kind of. Uh, connection to the universe that we in a sense have lost. I mean, the, there's constant tales of, you know, the Aborigines in Australia and people like that, the American Indian, who had deep spiritual connections with the earth, with the planet, with cosmic forces, with mysticism, the whole shamanic tradition mm-hmm. is a highly advanced spiritual kind of time-space travel 
you know, it's kind of like the dolphins. If, if you don't need the technology, you may be developing different other areas. You know? Right, right, right. Well, anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off and just kind of listen a little bit more and then, then hit the sack. But it's really been great talking to you. Yeah, and I, pre I appreciate your calls There's as well. There's so always. many issues out there to discuss. That it's, uh, well, keep listening. Keep, keep calling back. Uh, you're, uh, you're one of the few uh, out there that, uh, that decides to call in, and it's always fascinating when you call. So, so uh, keep doing it. I appreciate the topics that you bring up. So. Okay, Mike. All right. Have a good uh, broadcast. Hey, I appreciate it. Cheers, Bob. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Okay. Uh, see, it's not that hard. Just call and chat about something. I don't care what it is. It can be about your dog, or it can be about astrophysics or anything in between. Uh, the number is area code 573 443 8255. 573 443 8255. All right. Let's see who this is. Good evening. Of the bicameral mind, and awesome. I have the book if you would like to read it. Well, um, you know I would. I just thought I'd let you know that. And also See, how, now how cool is that, all right? How, <laughs> uh, Bob, I hope you're still listening. How cool Nobody is that? Nobody has ever known who that was, so I just, it's on my shelf. Astounding, huh? Discuss it. All right, so now for you new listeners out there, what this is called, uh, it's not a coincidence, it's what, uh, what, what Jung would have called synchronicity. And maybe I'm going to talk a little bit about synchronicity after uh, we get off the phone here. That's incredible, Deborah. What else is going on? Well, I just wanted to let you know I was going to be sending you something on your birth dates. It's very interesting, and it says that you have a special balance of male-female energies in you. Huh. So I'm going to send that because I think you would find a lot worthwhile as far as your life path is. Yeah, I'd and like to read. I'm sending you something else about the black hats. I was going to ask you about that. So oh, anyhow, okay. I'll talk. I didn't mean to be on the air. No, well, uh, I w I'm glad you are. You know, the, the, this whole idea of, you know, it's a perfect day or a perfect night to talk about balance. Uh, we're on just finishing up with the, 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 the vernal uh, equinox. And, uh, you know, you can... Uh, you can stick around online with me if you want, or if you're not, if not, you can take off, and I'll chat about this. But uh, um, you know, the equinox—that's what it's all about. It's uh, it's the moment in time when the sun is above the horizon for exactly 12 hours and below the horizon for exactly 12 hours. And I made the point on Saturday night when I did the show uh, that you know the sun is rising every moment. It's always rising somewhere on this planet. Right now, the sun just rose. Right now, it just rose again. Right now, it just rose. <laughs> right? And it, uh, it's rising all the time. And, uh, um, and when at that one particular point, uh, you, have, you have that balance. And the, and the key, one of the keys to all of our... Oh, I don't know. I won't, I won't say something as arrogant as enlightenment or, or secret of life or anything like that, but just a way to figure things out and to help you get through, you know, is to work on this idea of balance uh, um, in, 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 in lots of different ways. So, When you're talking about the sun and the horizon, that makes me think about the Black Prince or the Akhenaten hmm. and the Akhetaten, whatever that idea is of just below the threshold of consciousness mm -hmm. and that everything's always rising, but... but Something there is clicking with me, and I can't. Well, you know, you, you know, um, 
what you remind me of is that, and maybe I'm wrong, but you're, I, are you perhaps talking about this, this uh, hypnagogia, this hypnagogic time that happens right in between sort of sleeping and waking? Is that maybe what you well, might be referring to? an Egyptian esoteric idea that I really resonate with. So, yeah, all of that. I think that there's many, many levels. Well, you know what it is, I think. You know, this idea that the sun is rising all the time also means that it's setting all the time. And it also means that... Okay, let me me sort of clarify this from the beginning, and then I'll start with a a personal, uh, individual reference. Um, You spend a significant part of your life asleep, and there is a time... Uh, when you are awake, where we define as what? How do we define awake? For me, awake means the the laws of physics, the known laws of physics that we that we recognize are in effect. You know, uh, if I uh, drop a plate or hurl it across the room, it will shatter. If I stick a screwdriver in a light socket it will shock me I cannot fly you know um, that's the way that I define awake now if you look at a if you look at more of an esoteric or um, metaphysical idea of awake awake has always meant uh, this sort of idea of, of an awakening uh, that 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 people were asleep and that they needed to awaken and that awakening came through Oh, uh, uh, through learning and through knowledge and through meditation and uh, the um, the learning of wisdom and these sorts of things, and and this was supposed supposed to lead to some sort of an awakening, right? But when I think about it um, on a on a bigger scale, I think that at any given time there are approximately half of the humans on this planet and the plants on the planet and the animals on the planet that are asleep and there are half plus or minus that are awake and so if you believe in sort of the global Gaian mind and that we are the fractal scaled down representation of that well then you have this mind that is sort of always floating in between this waking and sleeping state. Do you see where I'm going with this? For me, it's a source of regeneration. Um, You know, when I was in my 20s, really young, Mm -hmm. I used to be frantic at the idea that I wasted half my life sleeping. (laughs) I have totally flipped around to the realizing that, no, that's not what's going on at all. And when I go Mm -hmm. into my sleep states, somehow or another, my knowledge, my arrangements, whatever it is, when I go into that unconscious state and plug in, it is being not upgraded mechanically, but in a way maybe doors opening and shuffling through on my unconscious levels of all the knowledge and things and how to put it together. And then Mm -hmm. that threshold of consciousness, something, when it sees that I'm ready and I've picked up some sort of awareness, some sort of perceptive ability, it shuffles through all that and it starts percolating up. Hmm. I I've, I don't know really how to say what's what, but I'm just not upset anymore. Right. 
I sleep well, well, because it's another good, good. totally different level, a deep, deep pool mm-hmm. that oh, yeah. regenerates and also brings up this whole body of ancient knowledge, present knowledge, awareness, abilities. But it has to do with my own development. Well, you know, uh, you know I talk about the psychedelic experience a lot. If If there was a drug that could make people remember fully, perfectly, their dreams, there would be no need for psychedelics. Because the dream state is that. Well, remember when I told you I have plugged in like the psychic, maybe on the television program, they have that one called the medium now. I I have plugged in on events that have happened. Like, um, remember the truck fire and that big explosion? With the gas tanks just recently, was it Marshall? I forgot exactly where it was now. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I had seen that, and I have seen other things, and this is in my dream states. So you know, there's something, something so beautiful and wonderful out there that where most of us are disconnected from it. But it's like all times, all places, everywhere, some kind of great big, beautiful mind that's always going and always aware. Yeah, I feel the same way, and I think that. My my idea, and and it may or it may or may not jive with what what uh, uh, what you're feeling, but for me, when I go in, for me the 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 the, uh, the secret state is this state in between waking and sleeping, right before I go to sleep. Um, I'm not awake and I'm not asleep. I'm sort of in this floating uh, space in between, and neither it's where it's it's this mercurial zone where both things are possible where both things are possible it's I'm not in the dream state and I'm not in the waking state I can now work between the two and for me if you can manage that state uh, then it's something that uh, that's an interesting experience let's just put it uh, like that there have been Two or three times that I am conscious of right now, remembering being in that state, and it's a gateway place. I also remember one time just in the past year or so, waking up from vivid, vivid dreams in a totally different area than what my home area is, and coming in, it's almost like I was entering a wormhole, a door, a gateway of some sort to get back into this conscious awareness I've never ever experienced that before but it's always stuck in my mind where was I and what is it and is it something you go into when you die mm. you have all these different doors right, if you right, right. are conscious and pay attention that maybe you can you know kind of have a choice of yeah, which way you want to go is that what you're talking about then well yes the, it, either or yes it is but I also think that it's something that you can expand to the global consciousness in other, in other words what's happening on a personal level is also happening on a planetary level and what it's and 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 the implication is that if half of the planet is awake and half of the planet is asleep at any given time then the planet itself is living in that sort of balanced in between hypnagogic state and to me that means that anything is possible in other words this is the, the that gives you the the uh, it, it, at least for me, it's a, it's a ho- it's something that gives hope because I can actually see, uh, you know, I know that 
And even science now, in the last ten years, has finally told us that the universe is fractal. I mean, the, the implications of that come right down to you and me, and you know, and and up to the planet, and then to the sun, and then to the galaxy, and on and on and on. And and if you can make the stretch that these things are conscious, you know, uh, that the planet does have a say in her own future. You know, uh, you know, Bob before mentioned um, uh, this this possible future of evolution of technology and man, where, where, where the where the line between man and machine becomes to get really blurry, right? Well, that's happening. There's no question about it. Uh, that's happening, and gone. Uh, if if it goes uninterrupted, we are going to see the full integration of man and machine. There's no question about that. Uh, whether it's done for the right reasons or not can be debated all day. Uh, but uh, but it's going to happen unless something intervenes, you know, unless there's a war that destroys all the technology or there's a solar flare that wipes everything out or there's a, you know, uh, some sort of a planetary catastrophe or something. And, 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 and I recognize the, the, the possibility for any of those things to happen. But gone unchecked, this technology is going to go. It's not going to be stopped. Um, and uh, I think that uh, the bet has been placed on the technology. Uh, well, I had told you earlier, I don't know, some weeks back, that it's since the 80s I've been in this sort of awareness, meditating, contemplation, watching it, and it's already happened. So I have been right. witnessing it all along, and it's just coming out more and more, but it's still not discussed on any kind of mainstream level, so well, I don't think about it that way yet, but it's already happened. Yeah, I know, I know, and uh, it's th things are certainly not as, the, as, as they appear. Uh, this is something that, it, that, 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 uh, that I think most people that are watching can agree upon. I'm not sure anybody really knows what the hell is going on right now on, a, on, on the grand scale, and I'm not sure that we're supposed to. I mean, there may be greater things at work here. You know, as I say, I think that the, the, the global mind itself might be at work here. And um, Hey, look, uh, we're going to have to take a little break here. Um, I've been running uh, running on, and I've got to do a little advertisement here, but uh, I'll chat a little bit more about this stuff as we go on, and um, of course, I will talk to you in the future, okay? Yes. All right. All right, bye. Deborah, take care. Thanks for calling. All right, um, this is Mike Hagan. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM. Uh, I've got somebody else calling on the studio line here, so I'm going to play a little music here real fast. And uh, give me a call at 874-5676. I'll give you something for free. I don't know what. I'll talk to you about it. I'll give you something. But uh, in the meantime, this is Radiohead on KOPN. Uh, 89.5 FM. This is called Black Star from the Benz. If you just called on the on the uh, 874-5676 line, call me back. Okay, I'm going to play some music for about 10 minutes. All right, thanks. Uh, also, the in-studio line, if you want to get on the air, is 573-443-8255. Uh, uh, call 573-443-8255 if you want to get on the air, and uh, I'll uh, pick it up. Uh, just let it ring. Okay, and whoever else was just calling, go ahead and call back. In the meantime, Radiohead, Black Star, back in a minute, Radio Orbit, KOPN.
time alone Redigesting past regrets Oh, you can come to terms and realize You're the only one who can forgive yourself Makes much more
All right, that's Pearl Jam from No Code. That's called Present Tense. And uh, that's where we are in the present tense. And I want to finish a couple of thoughts uh, that kind of came to my mind during the music uh, there as I was talking to, to Deborah and to Bob before her. And there was one thing that I wanted to address uh, uh, that Bob had mentioned that I had neglected to. And uh, this idea of technology, if we do end up uh, going down that road, um, and it does appear that that's the way we're going, that the, as I mentioned, I think the bet has been placed on technology and uh, we're going to ride out that bet unless something uh, comes in the way and intervenes with the advance of that technology. That that something that intervenes might be the technology itself. And uh, which brings me to the important part, I think, of this whole idea of moving into this new space, this, this, uh, this place of incredibly advanced technology. I think that in order to be successful uh, moving into these, these places, we have to work from the heart. We have to work from the heart. And um, this is something that uh, I'm going to be talking about at great length uh, this year. Um, I'm going to do a program in a few months uh, that's sort of loosely called Technology and the, and the Heart. And I'm going to be talking with Joseph Chilton Pierce. And we're going to, we're going to be discussing exactly what the implications of th this are, you know. Uh, the, for, for those of you uh, out there who are interested in this sort of thing, the heart is, uh, is more than just a pump. And this is not just New Age hocus pocus. This is now being borne out in the laboratories and in the, some of the more advanced medical centers in the world. And some incredible work being done in a place called Boulder Creek, California, uh, by a group of individuals working at a place called the HeartMath Institute. And uh, if you're interested in that, I suggest you go check out heartmath.org, and you'll find some astounding things there. But um, uh, the bottom line is this. Uh, there was a gentleman whose name was Rudolf Steiner, and Steiner uh, was um, alive in the late 1800s and was an incredibly forward thinker, and uh, um, he made it one of one of the most profound statements that he ever made, at least in my opinion, was that uh, he believed that one of the most difficult things for science to accept would be the fact that the heart is much more than a pump. And he realized this uh, over well over a hundred years ago, and he spoke pretty clearly about it. And um, Indeed, that is what we are finding. The heart is much more than a pump. It's 60% uh, uh, of the cells in your heart are neurons. No different than the neurons that are firing between your ears right now. And uh, the heart is capable of a tremendous amount of intelligence. Uh, the brain is not the only center of intelligence uh, in, your, in your body. Um, the brain certainly has its place and has its function and is capable of many, many interesting things. Uh, but the body is a system. It is a full system. Not one part greater than any other part. The brain is no good without the heart. 
take the heart out of the human body and the brain dies very quickly. You know, take the brain out and the heart dies. Take the stomach out, take the lungs out, take the liver out. Right? So these things work together and they're all capable of of uh, uh, intelligence in a very broad description of that word. Now, you know, uh, there, are, there are incredible stories of uh, uh, amputees uh, who have new uh, appendages put on in transplant operations and things like that. Uh, including internal transplant, uh, transplants, livers and hearts, but arms and legs and eyes and this sort of thing. And many, many times they report strange, strange things that happen to them after the uh, operations have been completed. And this is the idea of muscle memory and, uh, and this idea, this sort of thing. But the, there is a memory, there is an intelligence in everything, every... Uh, everywhere you look. I think now the, the more I study and the more I learn, I almost think that anywhere there's energy, there's consciousness. And there's pretty much energy everywhere. So, um, so as we move into this technology, as we move deeper and deeper into these incredibly advanced technologies that are literally uh, going to change the face of the planet to the point where uh, nearly anything becomes possible. When you're in those realms, if you're not working out of the heart, then you're going to create nightmare scenarios. And this is essentially the story of the golem, I think, in the, in the Tolkien series. You have this creature that has the gift of life, but without the life from the heart, without the, the balance from the heart. And this is where we are. So I, I like to talk about the technology because I know that it's where we are and where we're going. You know, this idea that we could go, you know, there are people that argue uh, the Eden scenario, that what we have to do is eliminate the technology, eliminate the technology and uh, somehow go back to a more simpler existence um, with uh, uh, with more of the natural uh, uh, the natural world and to me I just think that uh, well I just think that that was sort of uh, mitigated against probably sometime in the 16th or 17th century. I think, I think there are just too damn many people now. First of all, I don't think it's even reasonable to, to, to suggest that it would ever happen without intervention. But if it did, if we decided to eliminate the technology, I, I can't see uh, how it could happen now to go back to a, uh, this uh, garden sort of imagery without a tremendous amount of bloodshed. There's just too damn many people. And... Uh, I just can't see that uh, something that's going to happen in a nice manner. So I think that maybe the answer is uh, that technology is the lifeboat. You know, our ideologies, our ideologies, our institutions, our establishments, they're obviously lethal. They are obviously lethal 
If we continue with them, we're going to end up in deep, deep trouble. Hopefully, though, technology provides us this sort of lifeboat uh, where we can make what, uh, uh, what the French refer to as the forward escape when things get so ugly and so nasty and so screwed up that you just put the pedal through the floor and drive right up the middle of it and go right through it and right past it and drop all of it behind you, all of the things that brought you there, all of the institutions, all of the establishments, not much of what we have can remain, in my opinion. Uh, but, uh, but the technology uh, is going to provide this forward escape if, uh, if it doesn't destroy us first, I think. Um, and once that happens, well, then the impossible does become possible. You know, full immersion VR, all these things uh, are right here. They're right on the cusp. And the question pretty soon becomes, well, what do you do? When, when all of a sudden the, 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 the number of options available is about to exponentially increase. So when, when this happens, what do you do when you have all of these things? So uh, I believe that this is why we have to be talking about the heart. Uh, because we have to work out of the heart center in these situations or we will create Frankenstein. We will create the island of Dr. Moreau. We will create all of these nightmare scenarios that we're, that we're very close to uh, in, in many cases right now. In fact, who knows what's underground in Dulce, New Mexico? Who knows what's going on in the level five labs and, uh, you know, off the coast of, uh, of New York? I mean, who knows what's really going on? You know, I don't know, but uh, I got somebody on the line who knows more than I do, that's for sure. And um, I'm glad to have him here on our first inaugural uh, Monday night program. And he's a regular guest on the program, but for all of my new listeners, uh, he's a, uh, a wonderful guy and a good friend of mine and a, um, a man who's taught me and a lot of other people a lot of things over the years. And uh, his name is Kent Stedman, and he is the webmaster and uh, operator and uh, intelligence behind the wonderful website www.cyberspaceorbit.com that's c-y-b-e-r-s-p-a-c-e-o-r-b-i-t.com all right this is mike hagan and you're listening to radio orbit on klpn i've got kent stedman on the line here from cyberspaceorbit.com he's a regular guest but we'll do a little bit of an introduction here and let him uh, tell you a little bit about himself and what he does and what we do uh, for those of you who are not familiar, Kent, uh, are you there? I'm here. Howdy, everybody. Howdy. How are you, buddy? How's my phone? I spilled coffee on my old phone. Ah, so uh, you're sounding pretty good. No, can you hear me? No more raspy than always. <laughs> <laughs> the old wizard from his cave in Seattle. Uh, I talked to I, I talked to Kent uh, once a month or so from Seattle, and um, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the program, he and I have been friends for a number of years and uh, have had some interesting adventures together and uh, uh we're here again tonight Kent you know this is the this is my inaugural program for Monday night and I'm all excited I've had a couple of phone calls and uh, we've been chatting on the air about evolution and creation and uh technology and psychedelics and all kinds of different things so uh anyway uh might as well keep it going here what's on uh, what's on your mind tonight why don't we tell people a little bit about uh, about you and what we do well, Mike and I have been uh, working together for a long time, 
cooking things up is we met on the internet and began to discuss ideas that would, uh, were percolating around us, everything from uh, solar to uh, political to uh, metaphysical concepts, and uh, we started off by kind of batting these things around on the, on the internet messaging and then publishing a, <laughs> our uh, conversations to the internet. And uh, now here we are on radio. What the heck happened? I know. You know, it's funny. <laughs> you know, it's you know, the more my uh, as my as my interests and obsessions <laughs> sort of uh, advance, I find sort of a literary parallelism going on here, uh, and reality sort of obligingly follows suit somehow. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, we've uh, Kent and I have been talking, over, especially over the last few months, that there does seem to be the mark of an editor on much of this stuff. Uh, it really does. Uh, you know, for those of you who believe in the full-on, random, stochastic nature of the universe, I'd like you to explain how how absolutely non-random my life is. <laughs> well, it's kind of a controlled randomness, I'd say. Uh, what I do is I go out and look around the uh, the internet. Speaking of technology, when my wife first got a computer, I said no, <laughs> <laughs> and I crossed my arms and banned it and said I don't want any part of this. And well, it didn't take me very long because I was a uh, uh, retired see, with a lot of time on my hands. It didn't take me very long to uh, go on the computer and old Tandy Sensation to start with. <laughs> Right. and pursue questions that uh, kind of percolated out of my life, and I've had a strange life, I think. Uh, I'm 63 years old, so I kind of saw the, the, uh, the, the genesis of what we call modern technology. When I was a boy, it was still pretty rural, at least where I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. Right. Things were pretty work rural. Still had deer coming down into our uh, what came to be a suburban house, but it was still pretty <laughs> much out in the country. Right. In the country, we'd have deer coming down and quail, and, and uh, but we were and it was all uh, sort of uh, a little Eden there, hmm. top of the Rockies. But as I grew up, you know, I became aware of. Uh, Pretty bizarre technologies, you know, from uh, more traffic on the streets to strange radioactive clouds floating over the tops of our heads. Right. And so I regard technology as kind of a, a uh, well, it's the genie uncorked from the bottle. I don't think we can necessarily stuff it back in unless there's some major event that the gives the earth a big tweak and we all have to start over again. I totally agree. But I don't, you know, whether it's magic or sorcery, I don't know. And what it really is, is that which percolates, precipitates, drips <laughs> out of the human mind. And so we can't really disassociate ourselves with what we call technology. It may have become sort of a kind of a strange god now. Right. But uh, uh, 
so what I do is I go out and, and on the lunatic fringe and try to find uh, evidence of uh, not only technology, but the technology of the cosmos, mm. things that surprise me. And I think we need to be open to an element of surprise. I mean, things just don't necessarily <clears throat> ping-pong back and forth between walls that we've so heavily constructed. You know, there's constantly surprise. Yeah, no question. And uh, mystery and magic. And what I try to do is, whether I see it in the stars or whether I see it in the political arena or whether I see it in uh, philosophy or mythology, uh, I try to pull some of the images back, whether it be a huge mound in uh, Ireland or uh, something bizarre happening around our sun. I try to pull it back and then post it visibly on the Internet so that people can uh, accommodate it, discuss it, whether they use the scientific method or the intuitive method. Right. You know, they use a method. Uh, we grew up in sort of a scientific age, and so we think of science as the great method. It's not necessarily the great, uh, all-encompassing method. And there's still certain aspects of human consciousness that work in other ways, so whether it's the way of the poet, the way of the artist, the way of the scientist. About like an old town dog, I drag a bag and drop it at the doorstep, and why can I get on the radio? <laughs> And uh, sort of uh, ruminated around a little bit, pull our, pull our chairs up by the pot belly, belly stove, try to figure out what's going on. And all the rest of you out there are certainly invited. Yep, no doubt. we got a phone line open here. If somebody wants to give us a call, we're at uh, uh, area code 573 8255. That's 573-443-8255 if you want to call, get you on the, end, uh, on the air here with, uh, with Kent and myself, and you can chat it up with us or ask a question and make a comment or tell us we're stupid or whatever. So, um, yeah, you could, for, for instance, uh, ask <laughs> what I just said. <laughs> you know, uh, well, you, you make a good point, and I've been sort of stuck on this tonight. I've been talking about technology, but, you know, first of all, there I don't think there's anything new under the sun. I see more and more evidence that technology is something that has been on this planet before, maybe not in the same exact um, uh, manifestation that we see, but, uh, but, but certainly some kind of technology. That's just my opinion. But something has happened in, in, in sort of Western, um, in Western culture. We have, you know, we have this objective, uh, everything is based on this objective external reality. Uh, if you can't bang on it with a hammer, it ain't real. Um, I, I don't know where it comes from. To me, that is just wild talk. I don't even understand where that idea comes from. But that is the way much of Western culture operates. And so as this technology, you know, I don't think that we have the tools uh, uh, in Western culture primarily to handle uh, what is happening with the technology because everything is going soft. You know, everything is... Uh, melting together and converging and I think it's confounding uh, to uh, a significant percentage of, of, of Western culture and uh, I don't know I, I will just have to see how it how it all pans out but but like you say Kent the genie has been uncorked 
and uh, now it's just a matter of implementation and utilization of this technology to find out where it takes us. And is it, you know, is it going to be deeper into the deeper into the nightmare, or or uh, a better conclusion than that? You know, what do you think? Well, this mind drift, this technology, the stuff that we've cooked up, you know, hasn't hit the final wall yet. You know, it hasn't reached its uh, ultimate uh, evolution or de-evolution or whatever it is. So we don't know where it's going to go next, you know. Uh, for instance, you know, we talk it, we're talking to each other over a over telephone line right now, mm -hmm. out into the radio spectrum, but, uh, and that's how we communicate, but is, is this the last uh, stop in communication, for instance? Right. You know, say, you know, my great aunt, who was very influential in my life, I was born on her, in her bed, on her birthday, <laughs> in the middle of a snowstorm in, in Utah, you know, and uh, she came from a village in Denmark, and she used to tell me stories about her village and about what she called the second sight, mm. where, whatever that means, you know, where they, they had the ability, perhaps living closer to nature and all, to communicate on a level that maybe, and, and using a technology that could we have actually forgotten about or has it been eclipsed by electromagnetic waves so I mean, she'd say that she'd say uh, she talked about the second sight being able to see things remotely she talked about it and then she'd say well yeah everybody in the whole darn village had that that's how we hmm. were in touch with one another and I've heard stories from the Mayan culture you know where a family will be uh, a thousand miles away from some of their loved ones and suddenly I had a friend that was down there working for once. He said, the whole family just sort of pack up and, and uh, get ready for a trek. And then she'd say, where are you going? And they say, well, so-and-so needs our help, so we've got to go help them. <laughs> well, there was no letter in the mail. There was no uh, jangle on the phone. They didn't see it on TV because they don't have TV. But they just suddenly get up and start moving off travel, you know, many miles to go help a friend or a relative in some distance. Right. So uh, when we talk about technology, what does it all boil down to? Right. Are these hardware gadgets that we got here, is that the technology or is the technology something that's uh, latent within the consciousness or, or the brain? Is the brain itself a form of technology? Yeah, I mean, Where did it come from? You know, where did our bodies come from? Are we bots? There's so many, many questions. You know, uh, the uh, the brain is sort of like wetware, you know, and 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 uh, and then we have these different software systems. You know, I've talked to you before. I, mean, I like this anal I like this analogy that we run sort of operating systems and uh, in cultural ways and things like that. But um, certainly, there are also there's also evidence that the brain really is technology and that in that it's in that it, it can actually affect external reality you know i mean yuri geller was the real deal you know as much as they tried to debunk him and others 
you know, they can have an effect on the on the physical world through some sort of mental uh, ability. Well, and you're talking about the relationship. I heard overheard you. I listened to you. <laughs> you're talking about the brain and the heart relationship. Is mm -hmm. the brain? Have you ever had an experience that the brain could not possibly interpret? Interpret? Mm -hmm. I have lots of. Yeah, me too, for sure. Yeah, my whole life, I've had experiences that my brain is no good as a tool to try to uh, uh, understand. It goes beyond my brain. And uh, I think there's a tendency in our age and our time and our particular cultural influence that when we have these experiences and the brain can't get a handle on it, at least in terms of our current form of language and how we explain things, way these forms sort of uh, interface with our brain and there are lots and lots of like love you know mm. very simply put or sometimes there are uh, meta brain experiences too things that happen that the brain later on can't can't grab a hold of what happened when Problem is, brain probably never will be. Hey Ken, do me a favor. Get a little closer on your phone there for me. The brain never will. There you go. Possibly be able to interpret some of the perceptions we have as human beings. And so, what do we do with them? Do we, do we try, try, toss these types of intuitive blasts that we get? Do we toss them in the trash can, or? Do we just uh, set them aside and say, "Well, my brain doesn't get it; it doesn't have it; isn't able to put it together in uh, language form hmm. for me to look back at again?" But it happened. What is a dream? When it, much of our life in our 24-hour cycle is uh, we engage in the world of dreams. What are they? You know, are they real? Are they not real? As far as I'm concerned, anything that happens. Right. Can't make it go away, but a lot of things uh, won't fit in the box. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, or you have to make the box a whole lot bigger. <laughs> Some of the things we see don't fit in the box. Right. We see them right in front of our beady little eyes, but they don't fit in the box either. Right. right. You've ever seen a? Uh, oh well, just. You know, when the sun comes up in the morning, we don't have to talk about our stuff, but when that sun breaches over the horizon in the morning, what the heck is that? I mean, what's the sun? Do we really know what it is? Do we really know what it is? It's, I, I one time, uh, uh, having a philosophical discussion with a Native American, <laughs> And I was going through a problem with my God at that time, trying to figure out my God and what my God meant. And I was having a bit of a dark night of the soul. And uh, he said, well, what are you looking for? I said, God. He said, well, there it is. Pointed to the sun. Right there for everybody to see. Now, whether the sun distinctly is a God, you know, I don't know that to be true. But all that out there, it certainly has something God, whether it's the sun or the whole earth or nature or the stars or something. I mean, it's not that it's invisible. <laughs> it's visible. It's all around us. Mm -hmm. And that's something he distinctly pointed out to me. Just the fact that it was here and that we were here. Yeah, he says, why are you trying to hide from something that's everywhere?
Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and in 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 true Native American uh uh skill, the way they can put things very shortly but make great great point with it, you know. You know, I was talking to George Erickson, the guy uh who uh has done a incredible amount of research on Atlantis. And uh he's you know, he's an archaeologist and a paleontologist and the whole bit and he's done a lot of work in Egypt as well. We didn't talk about this on the air, but uh you know, um uh, the one thing that we did talk about on the air that's that, that that's that's the the analog of this, it's a parallel of this, is that he says that uh and I never really realized this and you may have realized it, but in the uh, Mesoamerican and South American indigenous cultures, you know, the ruins, all the pyramids, all the incredible uh, uh, architecture that was built, he says that the oldest ones are the most accurate and that they get worse as we approach the present. And he says the same thing about Egypt, that the best stuff, the most skilled work, the best pyramids, the big ones in Egypt on the Giza Plateau, were the, he says that they're all the oldest, not the most recent. That those, the ones that we see that look like they're fallen over and half-ass built, you know? He says those are newer. Who knows? Well, who knows what's happened to our Earth <laughs> over, over the eons. Right. But I think you it's know, this it's, idea... It's, it's, it I could think, be said that some of the good stuff is under the ocean. No, no, no question about it. I mean, who knows how many times it could have been re reworked? I mean, we have billions and billions of years of, of who knows what. We have, we have maybe, you know, fifteen thousand years of some sort of pseudo recorded history. Uh, that's most of it is, most of it's just spin. <laughs> but uh, uh, who knows what was really going on? But there's certainly all kinds of evidence of of, of things that that don't jive with the. Uh, with 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 the what you've been told, I mean, there are all kinds of things that just throw monkey wrenches at at, at every turn. I see that kind of stuff every doggone every darn day. Last night, just for instance, you can go to cyberspaceorbit.com and be able to look at this stuff with. Me. But it's some kind of strange anomaly of evidence of technology or evidence of something that is beyond technology. I don't know. But I was looking at the... Uh, somebody gave me a message on the Internet. That boy, I think it's really getting strange down here. In Southern California, it feels strange. It looks strange. Oh, the weather's strange. Yeah. Everything's yeah. strange. The radar's strange. That's so right. So I thought, well, I'll go look on the weather radar. Whew. And uh, hanging over, we got to get a hold of Scott Stevens. I I, I got I got him today. Did you? Yeah, we're gonna do a show in a couple weeks here. Hanging over the California Nevada border, right around the, the secret Navy research base, uh, China Lake. Hanging right over it is a cube or a square. I mean, the the weather patterns as you watch them on the animation, they go all drifting past the. Where? Yeah, they go right by. They go right over it. The square doesn't move, and weather patterns move right through, right, right over and around it. Yeah. Well, we see it as a square on the two-dimensional map. Right. A cube. According <laughs> to Scott, yeah, it's probably a cube, right? 
probably a bit cute, but I don't know if it's still there. I haven't looked at it in several hours, but this went on for hours and hours and hours, a cube hanging over Chinaly. Um Kent, let me let me let me mention to the to to the new listeners who aren't familiar with Scott. I mentioned him a little bit earlier, but Scott's a a meteorologist and a and a, a television weatherman. Um, I forget his station or whatever. He's on the NBC affiliate there in Pocatello, Idaho. But uh, at any rate, he's a big shot weatherman out there in the Pacific Northwest, and he is all over this stuff. And uh, he's 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 one of the most courageous guys I've met in a long time. Quite honestly, he's got great guts. Um, but anyway, he's uh, going to be on the show in a few weeks here, and we're going to be talking about more of this uh, strange weather manipulation, modification, atmospheric strangeness that, uh, uh, that, that we're witnessing all the time and that Kent is uh, documenting and archiving on a regular daily basis over there at uh, cyberspaceorbit.com. So. Yeah, and then we saw on one of the other radars, there are various radars, Systems available. You can watch the Earth from space if you want to. Uh, there's a really distinct flashing in and out of existence square appeared right over where the the weather the infrared weather satellites uh, showed this uh, cube, this dark cube hanging over there. Well, that was earlier last yesterday uh, afternoon, and then later, you know, we start getting strange reports. We were worried about earthquakes, actually. Right, I know. There was a big uh, quake so in Japan. Started, and... Yeah. But what what happened is this tornado hit south of San Francisco. Mm. And that's a newbie. Yeah, ripped off the roofs. Of... You see, they got hit by a freaking tornado. Yeah. Yeah, I read the story on your site. There was tearing roofs off of buildings and the whole bit. Well, you see, speaking of technology... Scott, uh, and I wish he was here because I'll probably ruin what he... But he, as a weather forecaster, he began to notice that it's getting harder and harder to get a handle on weather forecasting because there's a, a new X factor coming in here. <laughs> right. Which boils down to him investigating new technologies, a technology called scalar technology, and uh, and... Uh, which led him to the conclusion that our entire Earth right now is under sort of an electromagnetic uh, artificial uh, matrix. Yeah, a grid of some sort. He called it our. He said our whole Earth has been digitized. All the weather systems on the Earth have been digitized. Yeah. So he... we gotten that far now, where we put machine overlay machine technology around the entire planet in order to sort of push and pull our weather systems around. Either for the good or for the bad, I don't right, know. Right, right. It sure appears. So this, the, the, you know, again, the evidence that he puts forward uh, has to be convincing because it's the only way he can keep his job. Um, you know, he has many people that look and listen to w look at what he does and listen to what he says. You know, that are in his industry, that are in the biz, and uh, his website is something else. If you go look at those uh, images over there at. Uh, uh, weatherwars.info uh, that's uh, weatherwars www.weatherwars.info that's Scott's uh, private site um, it's it's kind of cool to go through them with him describing what's going on because he <coughs> pardon me he's a guy that has this uh, meteorological training and education and background so he's uh, very capable of describing exactly what you're seeing and why 
uh, it's not uh, it's not normal. So it's really cool uh, talking with him about that stuff. He has to deal, of course, in his training and his weather forecasting. He's scientifically trained, as most of us are if we go to an educational system in the United States. It doesn't mean that uh, our re cultural reality here is the only reality, though. I mean, we may be really bizarre <laughs> in terms of the long run of history, in terms of uh, even now. Do people see the things the way we see? Them? Right. Let me let me read you something. We've got time for a paragraph here. Yeah, let's uh, let let's finish off with something cool like that. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is an ultimate reality for many people. So let me read you. This is a uh, actually it was published January thirtieth, two thousand and five. It says this guy's writing in his log. He says Friday, January twenty eighth, two thousand five. I became very weary after supper and laid down. Five hours later, I was in the same position, fully clothed, when my wife came to bed. I checked my email, and then I went to bed again. I awoke seven hours later. My right shoulder hurt as if it had been pulled out of the socket. Many other joints were aching as well. I felt like I had been in a war zone. The imagery in my mind was a chaotic collage of conflicts. After showering, I knew, I knew that two sylphs, S-Y-L-P-H-S, that two sylphs had been killed by microwaves and scalar beams by the U.S. Air Force and Navy somewhere south of Hawaii. A sylph is mainly fourth-dimensional with a spider's web skin with which it is able to work into the third dimension. The skin was peeled off the sylph, leaving just the etheric body. The sylph was still living, but was unable to create rain. Hmm. Wow. Hmm, rain. Oh, I man. My God. The sylph's killed today. <laughs> All right, so there you have it. Now we See, got, so now. Uh, in the midst of our technological screen on the world, there are people living out in the middle of the Pacific that see things quite a bit different, and not so different in the long run. Right, 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 and yeah, it's amazing. It's again, it's this thing. They, they, we're just running different operating systems, and uh, some don't have all the plugins that other ones have. <laughs> He's talking about a dead sylph. A sylph. A yeah, sylph some sort of creature that that brings creature of the air that that brings rain. Responsible, inherently responsible for the, for making it that a certain territory that it operates with. Hmm. Make sure that it rains. Well, it's uh, it's not that far out. I mean, we look at look at look at the technology that's used, uh, low frequency active sonar and this sort of thing that's used in the oceans, and the effect that that stuff has on the cetacean, uh, the mammals, whales, and dolphins in the in the ocean. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a similar uh, it's a similar analogy. It's just that we happen to be more familiar with the name dolphin or whale than we are with the name sylph. Otherwise, you know, it's a, it's a lot of people are going to say there ain't no stupid sylph. Right, of course, exists, of, of course, there's no such thing as a sylph. The of sylphs and devas and and, uh, and uh, uh, ethereal beings that interweave our patterns in the natural world has been an, around an awful lot longer than 
Or Isaac Newton or Albert Einstein. Right, right. You know, so you just accommodate it. You file it and say, well, what's really going on here? And it, uh, <clears throat> do they exist or do they not exist? Well, everything exists if it, if it appears in, in our word forms. That's we right. We have a word for something. These words came from experience. Take the word infinity. Where did that ever come from? Nowhere. I mean, everywhere. Right. Yeah. Take the word infinity, and that's a, a a word that someone form a word form construction and language that somebody had to do because they had an experience. So you look at it all. You look at it all, and you back off from it all, and try not to judge it all. You know, and uh, and you take the. Uh, the, the concrete, what we call the concrete reality, and you compare it against the the reality of our other dif- different dimensions, the realities of our emotional state and our intuitive state and our spiritual state. You add them all together. Each one has its own uh, methodology. You should look at it all. Look at it all. Right. Otherwise, you might become a machine. Mm. <laughs> right, right, right. But maybe uh, Arthur C. Clarke said, well, that we're going to become, we're going to integrate with the machine world whether we like it or not. Well, you know, there, you, I'm, I'm going to talk about this. Uh, I think I'll finish off the show with a couple of these stories uh, that you and I were chatting about earlier today. But, uh, um, you know, the technology is getting wilder and wilder. Every day there's something out there that, uh, that, that blows me away. This one today about the uh, being able to use the skin as a as a network uh, interface, uh, it's just outrageous and really cool at the same time. So, yeah, they'll be making computers out of living cells. Gosh, you know, it's funny. You you said two things that reminded me of Terrence, and uh, uh, for the for the new listeners, you'll 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 hear me uh, invoke the name of Terrence McKenna, and now and again. But you know, the first thing that he, one of the first things I ever learned from Terrence was that the world is made of language. Just like Kent says, that uh, words are what the world is made of. Somehow language is what is loose on this planet right now. And uh, you, can, you can call the world anything you want, and you can describe it any way you like. You can say that the world is made of atoms and quarks and, uh, uh, and charge and spin and angular momentum. Or you can say that the, the world is made of... Uh, uh, little miniature devils that ride around on skateboards. You know, you can say whatever you want, but the bottom line is you have to use words to describe any of these things. And if you can't describe them, if you don't have the words, you can't go there. Ultimately, words are derived from dreams. We think of the word as having a life of its own, just like we think of a uh, uh, carburetor on a Ford truck as having a sort of independent significance of its own. But, the, you know, when you backtrack, where did all this stuff come from? You know, it, came from it came from dreams. It came from the dream world. We dreamed the ball into existence, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Anyway, this is how Mike and I go back and forth and right. with how we've been doing for some years now, mueling things around, hunkering down, what's going on, what's going on. 
and you know, you know, can you know, language. The thing that really gets me about it is when is when you take the uh, the words at the beginning of the books of all of the three major Western religions, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, and even though they all fight with one another and kill one another, and they have been for many, many years, if you, if you can get away from uh, what the cults have done to, 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 uh, to these ideas uh, for the last couple thousand years, and you look at what it really says, and, and, and the Latin is the best way to say it, and it says, in concipio ad verbum ad verbo carafactum est. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. And when you just look at that statement, there is something about language. When, when the Word was brought into the body, when the Word, when language was given to man or, 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 or however it developed, it made both of them more than they were. You know, the, the flesh was now more than the flesh, and the Word is now more than the Word. Well, I used to make a living with words. That was my job. I was a college professor. I'd stand up in front of a crowd and I'd say stuff, and they'd pay me to do it. Now <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting wow. older. Now I'm getting older. I don't say so much anymore. I'll spend days and days and days. Much to the uh, frustration of my wife, I'm not saying <laughs> anything at all. Oh God! Well, I'm. Uh, I'm. But I'm, when I was younger, I was an artist with words. Right. Well, you're still <laughs> you're you're still pretty good at it, and I'm. I'm getting old. I got a bad cough. That's a cough. Is a kind of. Old yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I won't I won't pick on you for your one, <laughs> one, one, one of your one of your lesser habits. So. <laughs> anyway, hey, look, uh, I'm going to finish things up here. I've got a uh, sort of a uh, couple things I got to get done by the end of the hour here, but. Um, well, uh, welcome, one Monday nighters. Uh, 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 get to maybe shout at you again. Come to listen to Mike's show, and then skirt on over to cyberspaceorbit.com and, and some of the things we word about, yak about, talk about, discuss. Or I try to make pictures of these things on the internet so we could look, look at it. a thousand words. Yeah, Kent does an amazing job with imagery, and uh, and and take his word seriously. Jump in the mix, get in involved with this stuff if it interests you. Uh, you know, we're real open to uh, ideas, and nobody's um, thoughts or ideas are stupid or anything like that. We're more than happy to share ideas and uh, send email uh, back and forth and all that stuff. This is what all of this is about. This is what uh, this is what this radio program is about. Primarily, is about. Uh, the dissolution of boundaries to try to dissolve boundaries not not only between uh, people and ideas but but all kinds of new ideas av available to all of us not just coming from my direction to your direction but uh, moving back and forth between us uh, and communication and language are what we have to push here we have to push the envelope of language and push the envelope of communication and art Kent you know and creativity Heresy, that's what it is. <laughs> that's Sublime right. heresy. That's right. And it's the only thing that's going to get us out of this heresy. mess. <laughs> we, we question everything. If you want answers, well, I hope you find them. I haven't. 
I always find more questions. And I've learned to live in a, a, not in a, a state of, uh, oh, that's the answer, but in a state of wonder because there's more and more and more and more. And that's cool. That's cool. No doubt. It's more exciting. It is, and right now it's so exciting. Uh, to me, it seems like uh, I can barely keep myself contained sometimes when some of these happen, uh, some of these things happen that we that we get to watch and witness and even experience sometimes uh, uh, in in our own uh, lives and in our own worlds. It's just wild, and and uh, I think it's a great opportunity, and I and, and I I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share uh, this stuff with other people and I appreciate the people uh, you know sharing stuff with us too so uh, it's really cool and we're going to keep doing it Kent and uh, we will have you uh, back as we always do okay well thanks a lot and welcome all you Monday nighters all right Kent thanks man bye take care okay that was uh, Kent Stedman from www.cyberspaceorbit.com and uh, we'll be back in just a few You're listening to Radio Orbit with Mike Hagan on KOPN 89.5 FM. This is Mike, and uh, it's about 17 minutes till the top of the hour, till 2 a.m. on the 22nd of March. And uh, hey, we probably have time for one more phone call. If somebody wants to get through, you can do that at uh, 573-443-8255. Otherwise, I'll finish things off here on my own, and uh, we'll be back in a few more minutes. This is Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM.
All right, uh, KOPN, Radio Orbit. That was the Smashing Pumpkins from Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. That was called Galapagos. And this is Mike Hagan, and uh, wow, check it out. We're just about at the end of our first Monday night gig. Been doing Saturdays for about uh, nine months, and this is the first Monday night. We're just about through it here. Got about ten more minutes, so uh, if anybody wants to give me a call, you're more than welcome to. We'll finish things up, uh, but... Uh, it was fun being with you tonight. Hopefully you got a decent idea of what the program is going to be about. That was cool. We got, uh, got Kent on the phone for a few minutes to sort of uh, open our minds up a little bit. And um, we got uh, Curtis rolling in here any minute to be playing some music for you again. And uh, let's see. Next week, of course, uh, the wonderful Dr. Rick Strassman uh, from the University of New Mexico will be talking to him. He's the author of the book DMT, The Spirit Molecule. If you weren't listening at the beginning of the program, uh, DMT is a uh, uh, a psychoactive compound that is found in the human brain uh, that is manufactured in or around the pineal gland and uh, has some very interesting effects uh, at, uh, uh, at certain levels. Uh, when it reaches certain levels in the brain. And uh, Dr. Strassman uh, did an incredible 10-year uh, study on the effects of DMT and uh, the experiences of people uh, when under the influence of that compound. Now, the reason it's interesting to me is because uh, if you go into, uh, uh, if you study Amazonian shamanism, you'll find that... Uh, Many of the tribes in uh, some of the Central American and Mesoamerican indigenous cultures uh, use um, a particular kind of brew uh, that they make, and it's a mixture of, uh, of a particular vine called a Banisteriopsis uh, copy and, uh, and another leaf of another plant the ayahuasca plant, and uh, I, actually I think ayahuasca is the name of the vine, but at any rate, uh, the drink is called ayahuasca, and what this does uh, is um, uh, liberates DMT from the plants and uh, introduces it into the human uh, body, and uh, the shamans go into an ecstatic trance, a hallucinogenic trip, whatever you want to call it, uh, but uh, they come out of it with technically accurate and... Uh, um, relevant and valid information for use in the real world. And so this has been a mystery to science for uh, many, many years. And uh, the scientific study of psychoactive compounds, hallucinogenic drugs, whether they were plant-based or whether they were synthetic, uh, was basically uh, buried uh, in the late 60s and the early 70s and any research that was continued uh, went underground and uh, there was very little that was done and documented and uh, Dr. Rick Strassman is one of the first uh, medical physicians to, to actually, uh, first of all, to get approval to do this study with DMT and then uh, and secondly to do it in the, in the confines of a, uh, of a scientific setting. So uh, anyway, the book is fantastic and uh, Dr. Strassman is a cool guy with some amazing experiences of his own. And uh, I'll be airing that interview next Monday night. Uh, so check that out, Dr. Rick Strassman, DMT, The Spirit Molecule. 
All right. Uh, also, um, lots of other cool stuff coming up over the next few weeks. I've got a few interviews on tape that I'll be able to air, and I've got some other live stuff coming up. Uh, Kent will be back in a few weeks. Scott Stevens coming up. Uh, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake. Haven't quite nailed that one down yet, but he'll be on the air here sometime soon. Uh, Richard K. Moore, Dr. Michael Heisen, uh, Jim Beard, a Native American friend of mine from uh, Colorado. Stephen Buner, incredible, uh, uh, the incredible Stephen Buner, the uh, the author of A Lost Language of Plants and uh, The Secret Teachings of Plants, among other books. Uh, Dr. Carlos Castro, Ed Edwards. Anyway, as you can see, we've got plenty to talk about and plenty to do over the next coming weeks and months. So thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, and um, I look forward to getting to know the Monday Night Crew a little bit better. It was cool. We had a couple calls tonight, and hopefully we have more of that, uh, more of that down the road. I've got some other stuff to give away, too. We've got tickets and all kinds of cool stuff uh, for some of the listeners coming up in the next few weeks. There's a lot of good shows that have been uh, in and about town. KOPN is starting to develop a really uh, close relationship and a real beneficial relationship, symbiotically beneficial relationship with uh, Richard King and uh, the good people down there at the Blue Note and over at Mojo's. And we've been fortunate enough to get involved with some of the great rock and roll shows uh, uh, and otherwise, uh, other genres uh, as well that have been coming into town. And uh, I've been participating in a lot of those and it's a whole lot of fun, and I really dig it. So uh, I'll be able to give away some tickets and stuff for those sorts of events. And I always have books and different things that my guests send to me. So there's always something cool for you guys and uh, usually something a little bit out of the ordinary. So anyway, okay, we're uh, going to finish things off here with a little bit of music. One more time uh, next week, same time, same place, KOPN 89.5 FM. And uh, this is Radio or uh, Radio Orbit. My name is Mike Hagan, and I'll be with you from here on out on Mondays from 11 to 2. Stick around for Curtis coming up, and uh, have a great week. Take care of yourselves. This is the Tragically Hip. It's called Scared. KOPN, Radio Orbit, 89.5 FM. Focus group.
that can prove This is all nothing but cold calculation Tests have shown That suspicious or hostile Yeah. 